Welcome to Beneath the Rim, your stop for everything NBA. The full court episode you're about to hear is a back and forth conversation between your host, Kevin Kloss, and one of the many great minds covering the league. For news and information every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we release a quick hitting layup episode first thing in the morning. Now time for the show. Welcome to Beneath the Rim. I'm your host, Kevin Kloss. This is our first full court episode. And on today's show, I'm going to be sitting down and talking with Steve Popper from Newsday. He covers the Knicks and the NBA. And so we've got a lot to talk about. Before we get to that episode, though, I do want to remind you about rotoheat.com. We're in the midst of summer right now. So fantasy football drafts are going to be coming at you fast and furious. So whether you're in a dynasty league and your rookie draft is coming up, or you're in your yearly redraft league and you're trying to get some extra insights to totally crush your draft this summer, rotoheat.com is the place to go. They've got podcasts, they've got articles, a Discord chat that is filled with activity just about every day, and a very active Facebook community as well. I'm over there. This podcast is a part of their network. I'm active in the Facebook and in the Discord chat. So head on over to rotoheat.com and see how you can get connected with some of their great content. Want to remind you as we head into our full court episode, the best way for you to keep up with all the content that we have coming out, we've got four podcasts that release each week. We've got short episodes on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and this is our longer episode that drops every Sunday. And the best way for you to make sure you don't miss any of that is to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. We are on all those platforms. So if you like what you hear today, search for us in your favorite podcast client, subscribe to the show. You'll get new episodes as they release four times a week. Now we're going to head into our conversation with Steve Popper. He covers the Knicks and the NBA for Newsday. Given that the Knicks really struck out on Kyrie, on D'Angelo Russell, on Kawhi, on Kevin Durant, This was a conversation that I think needed to take place right now. And you're going to hear him say a lot of things. I think there's a lot of good insights to what actually happened with the Knicks and that we as fans sitting home watching this all develop, maybe being shocked that KD and Kyrie went to Brooklyn and that the Knicks got shut out. You'll hear Steve tell us we weren't the only ones who were shocked. So here's my conversation with Steve Popper from Newsday. And now we're joined by Steve Popper writes for Newsday, covering the Knicks and the NBA. Steve, thanks so much for hopping on the show and talking to us a little bit today. Sure, anytime. So, Steve, about a month ago, I'd say, if we were sort of polling Knicks fans in the New York City area, I would say there was excitement, some enthusiasm about the free agency period that was going to open up. Now, given what all came together on Sunday, what is the mood like in New York City? Well, I, I'll say this before I even get into that, is that it wasn't just Knicks fans a month ago. Um, I was out at the draft combine and the lottery, and I talked to a lot of executives from other teams, and to a man, they were certain that Durant was coming to the Knicks, that there was you know, a deal in place already, that, that this was a done, you know, that, that this, this was going to happen, uh, that this team was turning around. Um, I, I talked to someone from the Clippers who thought they didn't have a chance uh, that, that they believed it was a done deal. These these are uh, strange, strange times, and, and maybe some of it you can put on the you know the injury changed everything, but but it, it's really hard to say what what caused it. Uh, 
look, you can't judge off Twitter. I will say this. There's a lot of Knicks fans who are, you know, when you're critical of, of where the, where things have gone. And my criticism only is that you had a star in place, you know, in Christos Porzingis, and you, you moved that to this cap space, and now you, you look at the roster, and it's a lot of journeymen there. Um, I think a lot of fans are, you know, kind of turned on the Durant thing and just said, you know, keep building slowly, which is, which is a legitimate argument, you know, to do it the right way, to, to get draft picks, uh, you know, to build around a Kevin Knox and R.J. Barrett, start, start putting pieces around them. Uh, you know, it's not the worst thing. You, you're, you're still short-term contracts, uh, although, you know, that puts you in the position of, you know, what are you getting short-term for to, you know, get into this chase again. And if you don't ever win these, uh, you never get the stars. You know, you kind of alluded to you don't want to judge Twitter. And sometimes I do think there's a large disconnect between maybe the opinion of Twitter or the opinion of fans and people who are a little more clued into the league, people like yourself. So while, while, while fans are shocked that they weren't able to land Kyrie or KD, you'd say, is there a consensus then among sort of your peers that you're surprised at the way this all played out? Well, only in that we were so assured by so many people around the league that 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 Durant had kind of uh, put himself in this direction already that he was going to come. Um, what, what surprises me more than that, I think, is that they couldn't get a meeting. They mm-hmm. couldn't get a meeting with Durant. They couldn't get a meeting with, with Kawhi. I, I talked to people in the Knicks organization uh, heading into free agency and was told, you know, and this was after the, the KD injury, you know, told that they were going to make a huge push at uh, Kawhi Leonard, and they had some confidence in that. Uh, they were still, even after all the stuff about Brooklyn uh, with with Kyrie, they thought they could get a meeting. They didn't get a meeting with any any top, I would say, probably about twenty free agents, which is which is alarming. Uh, you know, Julius Randle they got, and I don't know where you'd rank him in there, but you know, it is in top ten. Um, th- that's what's alarming to me is that you're in New York, you had seventy million in cash, you have you have this, you know, a coach who is a pretty charismatic guy. And you could never get in the room to even sit down with these guys and make your case. Yeah, as I, I knowing I was going to talk to you, I sort of thought to myself, okay, well, if they get KD, we'll talk that, or Kawhi, or Russell, thinking <laughs> they're 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 going to get one of these guys. One of these guys will have to come, or Kemba. But before we knew Kemba was probably headed to Boston, I thought Kemba could be maybe a consolation prize. So they don't get any of those guys. They don't even get a meeting with, like you said, maybe a top twenty guy. This isn't a fair question to ask, but. Who who is getting the blame for this? Is this strictly Dolan? Is this the success of the team? Who's supposed to be blamed for this? Uh, that's kind of what I've moved on to here, looking, trying to talk to agents and other people. Um, I, I think that the blame probably lies in, in right now what's on the roster, that, that guys looked at this. And, and, look, you can't blame a Kevin Durant for thinking, you know, if I go there now and say I can't get Kyrie to come with me, um, I, I'm looking at a roster that, you know, they're going to be a lottery team without me this year. Um, I'm going to come back next year, and I'm going to be expected to carry this franchise on a, uh, you know, a recovering Achilles. Um, I, I think that's that's probably the biggest problem is that guys look at it and say, everything is on me to carry this. There's no, you know, you, when you see guys, you know, what players have kind of taken charge of here is not, finding the most, you know, the only place, every, there's a lot of places you can make money. What they're finding is where where can I, uh, you know, combine with players I like, players who are great, and form sort of a super team. Well, there there is no super team base in New York. There's no young core that you're so excited about. Like, like look at the Clippers last year. Um, you know, there's a young group there that you, you can kind of say, 
you know, if we add two big pieces to that or a big piece to that, that's a 48 win team last year. We're going to, we're going to make this jump, uh, that, that I have a lot of help. You know, the Knicks were a 17 win team. They were ugly to watch. You know, anyone who came in here to the garden, uh, you know, uh, you know, you can say that they played hard, you know, and they, and they did, but what direction did they have? What, what, what gave you optimism last year that, this was going to be turned around. I, 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 I would be hard pressed to come up with an answer. Uh, you know, there was a lot of games where you're down by 30, 40 points and, you know, nobody, nobody's going in there looking at that and saying, wow, I can't wait to be a piece of that part of that team. So we think maybe there's a chance that the thought process for KD shifted when he was injured, but you know, I can remember hearing some national guys, even guys like Colin Cowherd saying, Kyrie and KD, 100%, it's just a matter of till they can sign those deals. Do we have any indication of maybe when this Kyrie thing shifted to Brooklyn, or was it always Brooklyn? I, that we don't know and, until these guys talk, and, and if, you know, who knows what they're going to say at that point if they're going to tell you the truth. Um, but that's what it sounds like it came down to later in, in the process was, they wanted to play together. KD wanted New York, uh, the Knicks, and, and Kyrie wanted Brooklyn. And, again, <laughs> if you're sitting down the two of you on a beach somewhere, um, it's hard for Kevin to win that argument other than to say it's, you know, Madison Square Garden with some mysterious allure. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of – I had done a thing last year, uh, you know, did a Sunday column rating the free agent places, talking to some agents, players, to coaches about what makes a place attractive. And and there were even little things like the traffic. Like if if you're if you're a Nick, if you decide to play for the Knicks and you're a Kevin Durant, and you want to live where you know in a, in a beautiful part of New York City. Well, you've got to drive out to Westchester for for your you know 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. morning shoot around. And every practice, you've got to be there at you know eight in the morning to start uh, doing conditioning. You know, it's it, it where as most cities, a place like Brooklyn, even. They have a beautiful facility they've built, state-of-the-art, right near the arena. Um, so th- this is, you know, these are little things that the players pick out, you know, quality of life stuff. Um, it, it's, it's hard to say when or what, what actually spurs these guys, but it's understandable when they do uh, walk away from this. So obviously they didn't get a meeting with KD. They didn't get to meet with Kemba or Kyrie or Russell. After the, and now you, you mentioned how you didn't think they could even get a meeting with a top 20 guy. Do you think after they were sort of shut out of that elite top-tier free agency, did they not try to get a meeting, you think, with like a, someone in that still in that 15 to 20 range because they were shifting their focus? Or, or is this an organization that at this point is just incapable of getting those meetings? Well, here's the odd thing is, you know, as it was coming down to the start of free agency, I think they kind of saw the writing on the wall. And you you get these leaks out of the organization telling us, you know, um, you know, we're not going to um, overpay for a for a second tier guy. We're not going to, you know, if we can't get one of these top, you know, tier guys, which I think they put at three guys, um, if we can't get one of these top guys, we're going to we're not going to, you know, overpay a you know, give a max contract to a Tobias Harris if we don't believe in him or someone like that. Um, so so I, I think it's understandable that they didn't sit down with those guys if they knew that was what it was going to take uh, to get them. But but the alarming thing there is that they went to third tier or fourth tier or fifth tier, and they paid these guys contracts that if you look at, you know, guys who are, are similarly in the league, it's just astronomical. They're pay, they're paying Bobby Portis fifteen point five million 
uh, per year for two years, and it's a team option, so you can say it's one year at fifteen point five. But there are a lot, there are better players than Bobby Portis who were signing for a five million dollar a year deal. Um, so it's it's you know hard to say that you you did something brilliant here, uh, you know, in resisting going for those second tier guys and paying them when you went third tier or fourth mm-hmm. tier and paid the same money there. So I mean, their haul basically was getting Julius Randle, like you said, Bobby Portis, and then Taj Gibson. And just from everything I've seen and I've read is, you know, almost all those deals kind of, they have a chance to get out after two years. And from just from, from what I've heard, that's for flexibility two years from now when they're setting up for that 2021 summer when Giannis is going to be a free agent. I just start to wonder with the Knicks, are they just doing the same thing and failing again and expecting it'll be different with this guy? What What... If anything, do we expect is going to change that's going to make the Knicks appealing for Giannis when it wasn't appealing for LeBron a handful of years ago, it wasn't appealing for KD or Kyrie? What do they think is changing if that's the plan? It's a really good question, and I don't have the answer. Uh, you know, this is kind of what I've, I've kind of debated back and forth on Twitter with some fans that I wrote in my column the other day, is you kind of kick the can down a year. Uh, they really are going to open up a lot of cap space next year because these are team options. Five of the players have team options after one year. So next year you can open up, I think, $60 million in cash. Um, but the free agent class is nothing like this year's free agent class. So, you know, if you, couldn't, if you couldn't do it in this one, which is probably the greatest free agent class I've ever seen with 40% of the league as free agents, stars everywhere, you couldn't do it now. So I'm not sure how you think you're going to do it next year. When Look at the league. The Knicks are not going to be a competitive team next year. They're, uh, you know... We, we were I was just watching something on ESPN this morning, uh, you know, showing the Western Conference, and there's about 12 teams out there that you you just can't imagine them not being in the playoffs, including the Warriors, uh, who are you know they was kind of put, putting on the outside looking in. Uh, look at the East, you know, look at the division the Knicks are in with uh, Toronto. It, you know, we still don't know if they're keeping Kawhi or not, but they're they're a good young team either way that's done things the right way. The Nets now, uh, Boston, Philadelphia. Where are the Knicks winning games with with, uh, with you know? Tosh Gibson is a great, uh, you know, complimentary piece to a really good team. He's, you know, he's a, he's a great practice guy. He's a hard worker. Everyone in the league loves him. But is he is he a guy that's going to lift you from 17 wins to 40 wins? Well, I, I don't see anybody on that roster that's doing it. Their only hope, I think, is that R.J. Barrett, who I do believe they got uh, in a fortunate spot. I, I do think he I, – I wouldn't be surprised at all if he comes out being the best player of this draft. Um He's got all the tools to be a great player. I, I think if if he somehow quickly becomes what you think he can become, and that takes some of the pressure off Kevin Knox, who last year, you know, had to suddenly be the guy on a team where he clearly wasn't ready to be that. Um, you know, if he, if he settles into that secondary role behind him, you know, maybe, maybe you look at that and you say, well, that's a little core there. Maybe maybe I can work with this. Um, I, I, I'm not sure, but. I'm not sure I see Draymond Green leaving Golden State for that, but uh, that, that's what free agency looks like next year. And, and Giannis, you know, I think teams are lobbying to put themselves in position already. I, I was told, you know, a month ago, somebody told me when, when Jason Kidd was getting, getting recruited to come to the Lakers as an assistant, that part of it was that Giannis loves him, and, you know, that's part of the allure to, to lure uh, Giannis in free agency in two years. You know, but who knows? We're you know predicting this stuff two two years down the road. I, I think the Knicks can see from this free agent class and what this summer has turned out to be 
that you can't plan these things. You, you know, there are no, no sure things when you look down the road. You don't know you're getting a free agent. You don't know you're getting the number one pick. Uh, the Knicks, I think, went through last year a horrible season and thought, you know, in their head, Kyrie, KD, and Zion. <laughs> what they've got is R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Bobby Portis. You know, that's a far way down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up um, R.J. Barrett because he was a guy I wanted to ask you about. To me, he was sort of that clear number three guy in the draft. For the Knicks, do you think that was a case of did they really like what they saw in Barrett and how they thought he could fit into what they want to try to build? Or was he just the next guy up for them? I guess I'm curious, like, were they specifically interested in Barrett? Well, I think it was a couple things. I, I think that they did feel uh, that once they got the number three pick, there were some in- inquiries into trading for it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that they knew right away they they were not going to give up the third pick. They, they kind of didn't care what order it went in. They felt that that was a tier of three players that were above everyone else. Uh, and they may be right. They're not alone in that thinking. Uh, I, I actually thought that if, if uh, John Morant was healthy and could work out for teams, that and and if RJ was willing to work out for teams, there's a chance he could have gone number two if people could have seen him on the court. You know, say in Memphis, you know, where he refused to work out, and if John Morant, uh, I, I think John's a tremendous talent, but he's also he's listed at six three, which I don't think he is. He's very skinny. Um, He's not your prototypical guy. You know, people compare him to Russell Westbrook. Westbrook is eons stronger than him. Um, you know, we'll have to see how he survives in the league. Trey Young did it last year and, and did a great job by halfway through the season. Uh, and I think Ja has the potential to do that. Like like Trey Young, he's not just a you know a scorer or a, you know in his case a freak athlete. He's a he's a very instinctual passer who's very, you know can do, can do more than just. Uh, score the ball or, you know, need to get to the rim. Uh, I think, I think he can do things that will help him. But, but I think when you see Barrett, I mean, he's a six foot seven guy who was playing point guard sometimes and, you know, shooting guard. Um, he's just your prototypical wing. He's, he's, you know, he put up great numbers in college. Uh, people think he's going to improve things that he thinks that he got away with in, in college. Uh, he's already begun working on, you know, expanding his game, not being so reliant on going left all the time. Um, I, I think people think he's going to be very good, and, and Zion is such a mystery to us of, of what he's going to be, how he's going to fit in the league. I, I kind of feel like RJ might almost be the surest thing. He may not be the highest ceiling of the three, but I think he's the surest thing. He's of, of like he just looks the part. Um, so I, I think the Knicks were happy with with Barrett. Uh, you know, I don't think there was any question that they were going to never trade out of that pick. Thanks for listening to Beneath the Rim. Don't be a J.R. Smith. Make the right decision and show your support by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I was excited, and this kind of sounds strange to say, I was excited to see Barrett leave and not play with Zion because just when I look at what I think Barrett does well, it's mostly getting to the rim and as a slasher and a driver. And at Duke with Zion, Zion was just down on the block so much that it was it was kind of hard for him to get some of those driving lanes. And then he gets drafted by the Knicks, and the first guy the Knicks sign is Julius Randle, who <laughs> kind of is this physical comparison to Zion. So I love the skill set on Barrett. It sounds like you do too. How do you think he fits in with the pieces that 
were there last year and the pieces they've added throughout free agency. Well, it is funny. One last shot from Ennis Cantor on his way out, <laughs> calling calling uh, Zion, you know, saying he's overrated, that he's Julius Randle with hops, so he right. put the comparison out there already. Um, I think it is an odd thing. Uh, Randle, you know, did expand his game a little bit last year, and they brought in some shooters. I, I think Bullock and, and uh, Ellington are, are good, you know, uh, pieces, you know, to help help spread the floor. I think this is something they thought last year with Knox, uh, and they think now with Barrett, is that in the NBA, it kind of will benefit them uh, that the floor opens up a little bit. Um, so I, I, I think they have high hopes that they'll fit together. I, look, I, I don't think Julius Randle is the long-term answer here. Um, what would alarm me about Randle and about, just about everyone else they brought in is the, I think, other than Taj Gibson, there is no winning pedigree. There's nobody coming from organizations that have been winning and doing things the right way. Um, you know, Taj Gibson does have that reputation, but he's 34 years old, I think. Um, the, you know, I, I think at some point, you know, bringing guys from organizations that have won, that have done things the right way, that know how to work, um, to me is, is an important step, and they haven't taken that yet. So one of the guys who they added a little bit later in that free agency window was Alfred Payton, who I think is a great athlete. I think he sees the floor very well and actually rebounds pretty well for a point guard. He's not a shooter, does not shoot very well. And now this kind of gives the Knicks just this glut of average to mediocre point guards. What does this say for Dennis Smith Jr.? You know, when they made that Przingis trade, Dennis Smith Jr. was sort of the highest ceiling piece they got outside of those draft picks. Is Smith a guy they're going to want to hold on to? Is Smith getting moved because of Peyton? How do you sort of see that whole point guard rotation maybe playing out? It's hard to say. I I, I don't think they're enamored with, with uh, Smith, sort of the same way that Dallas quickly soured on him. Uh, he's a tremendous athlete. Uh, you know, he's, he's got highlights every night, and the fans love it. Uh, I don't see. I don't think Dallas saw him as a winning point guard, and I don't think the Knicks see him that way either. And he's kind of too small to be a shooting guard uh, in the way the league is going. Um, he's he's sort of a hybrid, but not you know not 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 a, an answer at point guard. Um, and then Peyton obviously has his flaws. To me, the, the waste that they've done is two years of Frank Nealakina. That mm-hmm. you know you still don't know what he is and. You know, there are some people who are down on this. Some people in the league who tell me they're going to get rid of him. He's going to wind up with a good team, and he's going to wind up being, you know, you know, maybe not a star, but you know, Kyle Anderson, a guy who, you know, you don't see this amazing offensive ability, but you know, does everything well and is a winning player. Uh, to me, I why, why they've never given him that steady chance of playing. You know, here's 50 games in a row, starting a point guard and playing 35 minutes and. You make your mistakes, and you know we're winning 17 games. So who cares? Um, everybody else <laughs> seems to have gotten that opportunity except him. He's still on the roster, so so maybe it happens, but I don't see it. You know, with with what they've added here, that uh, they're going to want to you know put him ahead of Dennis Smith, and now you know the new piece they just got. So when I sort of look back as I watch the Knicks have a disappointing free agency period, and I try to go, when was the last time the Knicks were able to really get? like a marquee guy or even an all-star level guy. And really the only guy I can come up with in recent history is the summer they signed Amari Stoudemire. And even once again, that summer was supposed to be the year that they got a couple guys and they sort of ended up getting Stoudemire. And if memory serves, he was real good for about three-fourths of the year. 
and then he started to break down. The team fell off, and it never really was what it was supposed to be. What is the state of the Knicks right now? Are they sort of back in Amari times? Are they in that time where you had Jamal Crawford, and Crawford was just, you know, entertaining to watch, but it, it wasn't a good team? Where do you sort of grade the state of the Knicks as we stand today? Well, remember, even that Amari Stoudemire, who was a star when he came, but that was a consolation prize. They mm-hmm. were going for LeBron all in. They cleared, they tanked and cleared cap space for LeBron that summer, uh, and thought that they were going to get him and and had the meeting and uh, you know apparently never had a shot. Uh, so they wound up going kind of you know second tier. Then then everything blew up with the Carmelo trade, which you know Carmelo you know is probably the best player they've had since Patrick Ewing. But the way they got him, giving up all the pieces kind of threw them into a, you know, a terrible spot. Um, you know, now you look that they had Christoph Porzingis, and, and this is one of the things, when you talk about a culture and getting young players, and we're going we're gonna, to you know, have this culture where people want to come here. Well, well, you had a guy that was, was the franchise centerpiece, and he couldn't wait to get out. And what does that tell you? That's, you know, they had a year and a half with this, with this management team, uh, and you know, and, and months with his coach to kind of win him over, and you couldn't do that. So that's that's an alarming thing to me. That that kind of tells me that you're not quite where you say you are in this culture. Um, that you know, that, that the best player you had didn't want to be here. Did they move off from Porzingis too soon? Then do you think if they had held him longer, maybe maybe they weren't going to convince him to stay in New York long term, but. Given that you know they traded him basically to open up these max slots for this summer, and then they don't end up getting any max guys. In retrospect, should they have waited on Przingis? Could they have gotten a better deal? Well, not only that, but maybe you turn things around and just say, "We're we're not giving you up," and 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 you know you stick to that great player you have. Um, you know, is Ben Simmons ideal in Philadelphia right now? I don't think so. I think I think there are people who have questions about him as a teammate. They have questions about his work ethic. They have questions about his shooting. But he's a star. So what they're doing right now is they're moving to sign him to a five-year deal. They now have an asset that other teams, somebody will covet. Somebody will want to take a shot that they can they can get him. Um, to me, the Knicks used Porzingis to clear cap space, moving out bad contracts that they'd signed guys to, including the Tim Hardaway deal that, Steve Mills had, had executed himself. Um, you know, did you get better with the deal? I, 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 I'd say last year's starting roster probably is better than this one. Um, R.J. Barrett is the only, you know, sort of, you know, unknown there that he can be the one piece that changes things. But, so you know, would I rather have Tim Hardaway or Reggie Bullock? I'd rather have Tim Hardaway. Would I rather have Courtney Lee or or Wayne Ellington? I'd rather have Courtney Lee. Um I, I don't think they've made just, you know any great progress here, so hard to say. Hard to say where this is going. So I know this is a, such a speculative question, but just as you're talking, it just I'm just starting to think these things. So if they had held Przingis, presumably he's out all of last year, so they still end up getting R.J. Barrett. So if they have Przingis and Barrett, and maybe they're able to move that Hardaway contract, maybe they have to give up something like a pick in order to move it, but do you think they would have had a shot at one of those top 20 free agents if it was, you're coming here to join another star in Przingis and a budding star in Barrett? Do you think they could have at least gotten a meeting or signed one of those top 20s? I, I do, because I think Porzingis was, was a, a lure for a, 
for other players. I think there were other players who were interested in him, uh, not the least of which was Kevin Durant. That was the one who nicknamed him the unicorn. Um, you know, I, I think players were interested in, in what his potential was and what it would be like to play with him. Uh, the whole thing is, is strange how it's worked out for them uh, and the stories that, you know, they spun after afterward when they kind of, kind of uh, you know, pushed him out. And, and that's one of the things in itself, too, that's, that's been alarming to people is that players talk. You know, the players run the league now. It's not the teams. It's not the owners. Players decide who's pairing up, who's going where, what they're doing. And, and I think when you, when you look at how the Knicks have treated some of their stars, you know, there, there are people who admire Porzingis. And they see that, you know, the Knicks couldn't get along with him and he couldn't wait to get out of there. Well, they wonder why. Carmelo Anthony, best player the Knicks have had in decades, signed him to a five-year, you know, near-max extension. Um, he does the good teammate thing, gives up a little money even so they can make moves. And then when things don't work out, Phil Jackson tries to force him to take his no trade away that they that they gave him. We can say whatever you want about Carmelo Anthony, but he's one of the more popular players in the league. He he was you know he's part of the Banana Boat Crew. He was on the executive board of the NBA Players Association. Um, if you think that Carmelo Anthony isn't talking to LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul and telling them what it's like there and what what was going on. Uh, and that isn't getting spread from them to other players and other teams. You know, it, it's naive. So I think, you know, th- they've made themselves look bad among players. So when a player is making a decision between A and B, you know, when you talk about the Brooklyn versus New York decision, I have no doubt that some of this stuff is in the guy's heads. You know, sometimes when you're dealing with, like, your guy, someone from New York City is talking about Przingis, maybe they have a slightly maybe inflated view of him because he's their guy and they want him to be so good. Do you have a sense of around the league, like, is Przingis viewed as someone who can be a superstar if he gets healthy, or is he just a, he's a good player, but he's not in that superstar level? I, I think they do put him in a superstar level. And, and look, you know, in the Knicks' defense, I, I've had questions about him, you know, how he was developing. Um, there were times with, with New York where you saw that some teams had kind of figured out ways to stop the things he did. You know, when you were trying to put big men on him, he, he could destroy them offensively. Uh, when Brad Stevens put Marcus Smart on him, giving away about a foot, uh, suddenly Kristaps was not able to operate the way he does. He hadn't figured out that next step yet to, you know, when somebody got into his legs and was physical with him. Um, you know, he's very young still. Would he figure it out? Probably would. Um, I think, I think you know, spending the year, uh, half a year last year around uh, Dirk Nowitzki probably helped him, and Dirk, I'm sure, will still be around the Mavericks. Um, playing with Luka Doncic, I, I'm pretty confident he's, he's going to be pretty good. Uh, and, and I think Dallas is too by giving him the max contract. They, they didn't hesitate to do it. So I think the belief around the league is he's going to be a pretty good player. So as we sort of look at what this team is going to do in this coming year, you know, if they had if they'd gone and gotten a Durant, he still would have been out all this year, but presumably they would have had another piece there, another star, whether that was Kyrie or Russell or Kemba. You know, they've kind of got this collection of guys with uh, Alfred Payton, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, Julius Randle. I feel like they have enough guys to win some games. Do you know what or have a sense of what this team is hoping for this year? Are they hoping that whether it's right or wrong, that they can compete for one of those last couple of playoff spots? Do they still see this as a, 
we need another year to rebuild and get a top 10, top 5 pick. Any sense of what sort of the expectations are this season? Well, I, we haven't spoken to the executives. They've been in hiding since, <laughs> and, and, and legally since the, uh, the free agency period began. They can't speak about it until the 6th. Um, so we'll assume we'll speak to them then and we'll get a better idea. But I, I, I think that they did learn this year that, you know, tanking for the worst record doesn't mean anything because the new lottery system just doesn't benefit that. You know, you could, you could win 30 games and, and, uh, find yourself still getting the number one pick. So I, I think that they'll try to win more games. I think, uh, these pieces they hope will make them more competitive and more respectable on the court. Um, which they were just, you know, they were overmatched horribly last year they were not only the worst record team in the league but they were the worst team in the league you know there were there was no question that you know that they they went into every game with with the worst lineup um they never had a, you know a, if they if they won 17 games it was an upset it was you know they were never the favorite in a game so i think they think they'll be better i think they'll try to be more respectable i don't think they're going to be a playoff team um you know, but if they won 30 games, it wouldn't shock me. If they won 25, it wouldn't shock me. And if they won 20, it wouldn't shock me. There's, there's no one they brought in here who's, you know, again, helped the team to live to that next level. You know, Julius Randle's the best of the bunch they got. And look at the records of the teams he's been on or been, you know, asked to be a key piece of. Uh, you know, last year he had his best year, and that was New Orleans who broke up their entire team uh, afterward. So for as far back as I can remember, sort of when we have these these big name free agents that are going to hit the markets, these real sexy names, the two things that are brought up a lot is, you know, the big market that is playing at Madison Square Garden, the big market that is playing for the Lakers or the Celtics. For the Knicks, is their new biggest competition for these superstars going to be Brooklyn? Just seeing what Brooklyn did this offseason, you know, in such close proximity to the Knicks, and they're able to swoop in and snipe two of these superstars. Is Brooklyn their biggest competition now? Well, I, I think proximity, sure, but it, it remains to be seen. Because I've seen Brooklyn have very good teams uh, when they were in New Jersey, when they were in Brooklyn, playoff teams, and they just don't draw. They just don't get the, the attention. They don't get the media attention. They don't get the fan attention. You know, um, you know the Knicks still rule New York, and it's, it's strange and sad and it's weird for them. But I, I'm old enough that I've covered the Nets when they went to the finals two years in a row in New Jersey with Jason Kidd and about the best show you'd ever see on earth. Um, they were just a, a really entertaining team, and they couldn't sell all playoff games. So it's it's hard to say that, what, you know, that there's something, even these guys, that bring the Nets to a level above that. You know, look, they had Paul Pierce. They made the playoffs. They won playoff series with that group. Um, and they still never, never kind of broke through uh, that entrenched, you know, Nick fan base. Um, I, I don't know that this does it either. Steve Popper, writer for Newsday, covering the Knicks and the NBA. Steve, thanks so much for hopping on, talking Knicks, uh, free agency, NBA. Sorry, we didn't have something better to talk about in terms of the Knicks free agency, <laughs> though. I always say, hopefully, next time I have something better, more optimistic to say. All right, thanks. Anytime. You got it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. That's going to do it for this first full court episode. If you like what you heard, do me a favor. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your shows, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Search for Beneath the Rim and subscribe so you can get our new podcast as they come out. Once again, that's four times a week. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Kevin Kloss. We'll talk to you on Monday. Monday.